Welcome to the Black Ink Charleston podcast. I'm your host, Dewana Brockington. Black Ink is Charleston's African-American book festival, and this podcast is where we create space to share work by Black authors, discuss craft, and introduce readers of all ages to a great variety of authors throughout the low country. Hi there, my name is Savannah J. Frierson. I am the current programming chair for Black Ink, a Charleston African-American book festival. Today, we are talking with national best-selling and award-winning author Jacqueline Thomas, who writes several things, genres, subgenres, all related to romance. We are so excited to talk with her today for this Black Ink Charleston podcast, and as of day of recording, it is the last day of 2021. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think that I would be so excited to see the back of 2021 like I was for 2020. <laughs> but we are going to be so excited for 2022, not not least because we're going to have Miss Jacqueline Thomas being one of our panelists for Black Heat 2022. So hi, Miss Jacqueline Thomas. How are you doing? I am doing fine, and feel free to call me Jackie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to call her Jackie. I got permission. So <laughs> so I am so excited to speak with you. The first time I met you was during Miss LaShira Lee's Lights, Camera, Action, and it was the last day because, you know, that's when you tend to meet everybody. <laughs> so yeah. the last day. And you were very kind to me just to just talk shop a little bit, but now it's my turn to kind of ask you some of the questions. So the first one right out of the gate is what was the very first story idea that you began to flesh out as a writer? Well, what I would say the very first story I wrote, I wasn't necessarily, I would say calling myself a writer. Mm -hmm. I was 16 at the time. And the very first story that I fleshed out was about me killing my ex-boyfriend, cutting him into pieces, and hiding his body parts all over New York. He had dumped me for my best friend. Oh. So <laughs> I mean, you let him off easy. You know, In like, that story. To <laughs> yes. But you know what? What I found, I was 16, and that's, you know, when I really realized how therapeutic writing was and also that I had a gift for it. I've been told since third grade that I had this gift for writing, but it wasn't until I wrote that story that I could say I felt like a writer. That's amazing. And it's funny that you started with murder and mayhem and then kind of <laughs> have segued to a genre that isn't necessarily associated with that. Although we do have our subgenres of, you know, romantic suspense and mm -hmm. now dark romance. But speaking to that, what drew you to the romance genre as a reader and an author, especially coming from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dismemberment? <laughs> Well, actually, my mother was an avid romance reader from historical romances, Harlequin Presents. And so I would love to go to the library because I mean, I was an avid reader and I would read my books and, and, you know, I had no life. I was really shy. So all I did was sit at home and read. Um, even when I was supposed to be doing like homework, um, I was reading. And so when I ran out of my books to read, because back then you could only get so many books from the library. Right. And I think um, I'm dating myself, but it was like five books. No, you're and not. So, Cause that was the same for me. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, five books don't get you through the whole month. No, so, it doesn't. So, not with, not uh, with those. Yeah. <laughs> so 
my my mother would buy these books like she would buy them like 10 at a time and she would you know take time just to read them and i'm like i want to read a book so i would sneak in her room and I loved history, so I started with historical romances, and then I branched off into the Harlequin romances. And the interesting thing about that, because a lot of people say, you know, oh, romance, oh, it's fantasy, oh, it's this. Well, for me, I love the way that these men loved these women. Like, they were their one and only. Once they met that, that her, met her, she was the only woman for him, no matter how many women tried, she was that only woman. And I wanted that for me. And mm-hmm. so I actually use romance novels as a guide to define the type of man that I wanted. I knew I didn't want like an alpha male, you know, right. you know I, but I, but I knew the type of man that I was looking for. And I can happily say that I've been married 30 years to my hero and we are living our happily ever after. See, look, let me tell you, when you, especially when you start young, in a way it is pretty informative in a good way so that you know how, you, how a partner should treat you, how you should treat mm-hmm. the partner, um, when you know that a relationship has come to, to an end because what you gain from it you're not gaining from it anymore. All of those things are so important to just guide you to learn how to live life. And yes, you might get it wrong as you do it, but at least you have somewhat of a foundation and you're not really out there doing massive trial and error. I came to romance a little bit older. Well, can I say that? No, I think I came at it at the traditional age of 12. (laughs) But But I was reading it, you know, I was, reading I was reading historicals too but I was reading more um American historicals like um Native American heroes and mainly because I didn't one I didn't know where the black romances were but I didn't know that I wanted to read about people who weren't white so that was that's where I ended up and and then eventually I found because they had the black romances tucked in anyway I wasn't supposed to be back there because I wasn't an adult but anywho, I I made my way back there and started reading, you know, Black Arabesque, it was at the time. Um, oh, yeah, I started with Arabesque. Yeah, and then it became Kamani, and now it's yes. just absorbed, and which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can have that debate of whether that's good or bad, but, um, but, you know, when you mentioned your mom and how she was kind of your gateway to romance and to what you wanted to find as a reader what and I think from what I can gather usually what you like as a reader you try as a writer and so for me um what I wanted to ask next is you were gracious to be a part of our fall into romance event black inks fall into romance event back in October with um the Rochelle Allers and the Vanessa Riley Um, And it was a fantastic uh, conversation. And if folks who are listening to this podcast were missed it, you can go to Black Ink's YouTube channel and catch the interview there. But you also mentioned, um, to just shout out the Low Country real quick, that you have Gullah Geechee heritage. And so what I wanted to ask is how does that heritage inform your writing, especially, you know, people like to think that romance is kind of separate from 
a whole lot of things. Like it's just in its one silo, but actually romance brings in a lot of influences. So I wanted to know how you bring in that influence into your writing. Yeah, romance is universal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, with me, I I do have, you know, because I, uh, you know, I'm from, you know, a small town on the coast of, you know, Savannah and Jacksonville. So, you know, I grew up that low country Frogmore village, St. Simon's Island, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do have, you know, gullers in my blood, if you want to say that. Um, also, um, I have I'm, my father was Native American, so I'm also Native American. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I bring those influences into my writing through what I know, you know, you, you, you're always told, write what you know, and that's what I know. And so my, my books reflect a lot of, um, not necessarily my experiences, Mm -hmm. but maybe experiences of, um, friends, family, um, not that I tell their stories, but I take pieces from a a little bit, maybe here, a little bit over here, you know, and piece it together to make his own unique story. So, but for me, it's important to bring what I know into the books, because again, you know, we have readers out there, they're reading these books and sometimes they're like, oh, this would never happen to me. Oh, this is, this isn't true. This isn't real. And, and yes, it is. And And so, yes, I want to buy into the fantasy. I want to be taken away. I, 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 you know, there's so much bad stuff in this world that I need the good stuff. I need the fantasy sometimes. And so when it comes to, you know, my heritage in particular, I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm very proud of my history. And I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but I bring all of that into, you know, what I write, black love, um, mm-hmm. you know, low country love, um, native love. You know? right. <laughs> I try to bring all those influences into, um, you know, what I'm writing. As a matter of fact, um, I have on TV um, a show called The Sun, um, and I'm kind of just listening as I've been writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it starts off this man. Um, a white man was taken captive and and became Comanche and fell in love with a native girl. And I love watching their relationship, him teaching her English. Um, you know, he didn't turn out to be the best guy, but right. I loved his backstory. And so watching them, the 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 way that their relationship involved, I mean evolved is is what I want to bring to my stories. These were two people, very much strangers, hated each other, enemies. So, you know, we bring that into it, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, from enemies to lovers. Right. And so, um, but just the cultural dis- differences and how they were able to move past that and find love. I'm always intrigued by those stories, especially when they can be done in an honest way. Um, yes and and not kind of hand wave certain things because that's the quickest way to get me out of a story it's like wait a minute because I know it's a fantasy I get that but also all fantasy has to have its roots in reality otherwise we're not going to understand what's going on we'll just be lost so even with you know Tolkien and 
you know, uh, Robert Jordan, I think his name is, with the Wheel of Time. That's um, I'm oh, I found my way to that through Amazon Prime, and just because I'm not really a big fantasy reader, but I will admit that the the fantasy I do pick up, there's always a basis and a foundation of recognizable reality that allows me to then fall into this world. Um, exactly. And, well, I can tell you, I've read all of Robert Jordan's books. That was a thing um, that I'm missing my mom the most about. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom passed away before the show came on, but that was something we did together. I bought the books and I would read one, she'd read one, then we would talk about it. And and we have been waiting for like the show, The Wheel of Time. And unfortunately, she passed away mm-hmm. um, before it aired. And so I've been really emotional watching it alone and like talking like, mom, look at this. And mom, this is not the way it was in the book. And right. a lot, <laughs> you know, but that is a very special show to me. Yeah. Because of the books, that was like my mom and I had our own little book club when it came to the Wheel of Time. Yeah, and I and I was excited because again, like I said, I, I I was not familiar with the books at all, but I was also super excited that he was from you know the author was from Charleston because I I well, wrongfully I yes yeah um yeah I'm gonna put a pin in that. <laughs> You read the books and then we can talk about it. That's true. That so now I have an excuse to like try because I because yeah. I did love the um oh my gosh I'm blanking on it the F- Fellowship of the Rings that that trilogy oh yes and I but yeah. I but I knew I was never gonna read those <laughs> books but uh, but you know that I mean ad- ad- adapting per medium cool. yeah but um. But yeah, so, but I will say, just from what I have read, like I have read snippets of the actual work, I think I could actually get in into the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time books. I, I do think you I can. can do that. I, I really think you can. Yeah, and I might try audiobook because I have realized yeah. Yeah. that some some mediums just do better, even, if, even though it's a book, some mediums mm-hmm. just work better for me in audio but and I think I spoke about this when I was interviewed I was like yeah. if you can't if you can't relate to a book in one medium try a different one so I'm gonna try I'm, I'm gonna try this one in audio first yeah, because um, they're, they're really thick books they're yeah. really thick books and I actually I love them so much that I have I have the ebook and I actually have the hardcover copies as well oh excellent so yeah I'm definitely gonna start reading them after black ink yes <laughs> that's yes, what I'll probably have time to do and then um, I'll email you and be like, Miss Miss. Oh, you said I could call you Jackie. I'll just yes, say Jackie. Like and then it'll help because since I came at it from the from the TV show, I could say, Oh, I see the change. Oh, I think I understand why they had to do the change for the TV yeah, person, yeah, you know, all of that. So yeah. yeah, but but speaking of how you tell stories and you know what kind of stories you tell, because you know to segue from the wheel of time which is mm-hmm. basically about how the world resets <laughs> for one reason or another i'm not going to spoil it for those who have not even watched the show or read yeah. the book yeah. but you know it's it's interesting how in the story it seems like there are key people that affect the narrative of or not the narrative but how the wheel turns right yes. um and in this society we get a lot of stories about folks who 
affect history or however, but it seems very, for lack of a better term, monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and you know for a fact that these aren't the only people who have affected how our wheel has turned. So I want to know right. from you how and why do you think it's important for people to be able to tell their own stories, especially if they're part of a marginalized demographic? Um, for those reasons that you stated, exactly, because our stories aren't told. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is very, very important. One of my favorite people in history is William Still. Mm. And for those of, you know, because there are people that um, don't know who he is. Um, and there's actually, there's a new book out about him. Oh. Um, I, I bought it by um, William Kashadas, but I haven't read it yet. Sitting on my desk, that one in 1619, the 1619 Project. So I read those when I get off deadline. But William Steele is a favorite of mine. He was the secretary for the Underground Railroad. And he kept meticulous records of the people that passed through. Now, if you ask anybody who traveled through the Underground Railroad, you will hear who? Moses. Right. you know, um, Harriet Tubman, you know, you don't hear about, some people may know, you know, Henry Box Brown, Yes. Um, but what about Lily, you know, the Irish girl? Mm -hmm. Um, what about, you know, Sarah, you know, um, these are people that we don't know about. Their stories are not told, but they are important to us because they sacrifice their lives for us to be able to live today. And the thing about it is they may be our ancestors. Right. We don't, we don't know, you know. So William Steele kept meticulous records. Not only did he keep like a log of, you know, one Sarah so-and-so came through. He, when he could, he shared letters that they wrote when they sent money back to help other people or to get other family members, you know, to, to freedom. He, mm-hmm. They would donate. They would donate. Once they got to Canada, they would send money to him to donate to help free somebody else, you know, a family member or whatever. Um, he told their stories when they were when he had time and they shared their stories. He wrote them. There's a book, The Underground Railroad Records. Now, I found this book when I was 13 in the library and I have to confess, I tried to keep it. Well, you know. If you if you you can't call yourself a library patron if you haven't tried to just permanently borrow some books, you just can't. You can't. I wanted to borrow this book permanently. You want to be? And my, my my grandmother was like that stealing, and made me take it back, and I had to work off the fine in the library. And so I promised myself one day I was going to own that book. Mm-hmm. Well, I found one at auction. Oh, now wow. I think I think now it's actually free. I think you can look it up and download it. Um, I think it's actually free now. I think every person of color should have a copy of this book mm-hmm. of the Underground Railroad Records. And you go through and you can see the people, and he separates it by state, um, the people that went through the underground. And he buried these records in a a cemetery to make sure they were never found. Right. Then after slavery ended, he dug them up and had them published. His whole purpose was to tell their stories and also to reunite families. Our, our, Our community 
you know, black and brown community has mm-hmm. been fractured because a lot of our history has been, how did you say? <laughs> oh, see? Yeah. Erased, well, not erased, but suppressed. Suppressed. Just, we'll yeah. use that word, suppressed. Yeah. Um, left out in some right. cases. Um, erased in others. Mm-hmm. So if we don't tell our stories, who will tell those stories for us? And not just who, but how. You know, and so that is why we should tell our own stories mm-hmm. because yeah. it can help. You know, I, I honestly believe we need to talk to our elders, you know, um, on my native side. I my dad was the keeper of our history. So I have he passed away. I now have those records. Mm-hmm. I have deeds marriage certificates, um, land deeds, um, um, birth certificates. Um, and when they didn't have birth certificates, I have where they kept a log on note paper of the births. Mm-hmm. I have all of that. And we have to, you know, keep it protected and all of that because it's so old, but it dates back to the early 1800s. So I know my dad on my dad's side, I know the history all the way back to the 1800s. That's amazing. Not many people can say that. And, right. and and only because history was important to those people, to our people, history was important. We have to, you know, I tell people, even kids, talk to your elders, listen to those stories, record those stories. And I, and as someone who did not value that when I was a kid, <laughs> because, you know, for us, we the stories were told at the Thanksgiving table. And it's like, when you're a kid, I just ate this whole meal. I am now sleepy. I really don't want to hear about people I have never met, don't know. And then I got older, and it was me and my sister. We're like, so who who did this, that, and the third? And it's like, did we tell you this? And, and you, you know, you, you, you eat it up when you get older, and you realize, A, these stories can get lost if we don't know them and b the reason why they're so important to be told is so that you can understand who you are as a person now based on who came before you and so you know how sankofa you can't know where you're going to you know where you've been so you know and and if you can impress that upon kids early and that's and that's a hard task i'm not going to say it's easy especially because i don't think you know, public school education teaches history correctly. <laughs> they they like to teach well, history as something leave, that, and we should not leave it to them. Correct. That's but children. that's usually how that's usually the introduction. I think is, right. is through school, and so that's why, to your point, we gotta get them early. We gotta what, make what them I understand. Did, well, what I did with my my kids, they didn't write. You know, we have that one month that we celebrate us. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, and then the kids, you know, they get the pick, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, Martin Luther King, and, and please much credit to them, much credit to them, you know, much honor, much respect. Um, but my kids did not write about them. My kids, I gave them the underground railroad records, pick somebody there right, and write about them. Let's share their story. I had to actually go to the school and educate a teacher. That doesn't surprise me. You know, and <laughs> so what happened, 
what happened was I started being invited to all the schools in that district. We still live, we were living in LA at that time. And, you know, I would go into the classes and I think these were third graders. My son was in third grade, I think at that time. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would talk about the Underground Railroad um, to the point that one little boy asked me, he was like, Mrs. Thomas, um, how old were you when you escaped? You know what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's because you're the only one that knows these exactly. people. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, these are your friends. Y'all kicked it back in the day. <laughs> your friends died. Did, they, did you all make it? And I'm like, they're so old, but I'm not that old. But you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you, see, you see the importance. So I, see, I keep that story with me. And what I actually hope to do in the future is actually take some of those stories and do a fictional account mm-hmm. of those because I feel like they should be honored. They should be, you know, those are the untold um, stories of heroes. Right. Yeah. And I agree. And so I would love to bring some of those stories to life. Yes. That would be amazing. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that we are having a uh, panel about um, history and archives for Black Ink 2022, because this hopefully for the folks who are listening would be a good appetizer of why. And in fact, I think that's the very first panel <laughs> for 2020 Black, 2022 Black Ink. It just just yes. to kind of orient folks into Looking when we tell our stories. Right. Right. And- to their own history. Exactly. Let stories inspire you. We don't just sit a lot of times and just, you know, sometimes we do get that 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 spark of an idea, but a lot of times it could be something with like for me, reading, you know, um a story about Sarah in the Underground Railroad records sparks an idea in modern day. Exactly. But I realize what she went through is still happening today. Yes. You know, and just bring it into modern day. For example, Jezebel, my, my Jezebel series was based on Queen Jezebel in the Bible, but brought into modern day. So you never know, but what will spark your imagination, but learn the history as much as you can. Talk to the elders because they will share their stories. Those stories should live beyond us. Yes, absolutely. I want to write about my great, great grandmother. Her name was She Who Ambushes. Oh, please do. Yes, because the name I'm, alone, right? <laughs> why she was because they get the, you know they get their names when they're older mm-hmm. and the personality shows through. So I want to know why she was called she who ambushes. Oh, please, I you know you let me know when that story is written. <laughs> is all I'm is all I got yes, to say. Yes, um, but yeah, so. You know, we we speak about history and how it's important to tell our stories, which is why, you know, we as a committee came up or decided that our mission is to amplify Black voices with Black Ink Book Festival. And, um, you know, we have so many stories. We are not a monolithic people. We have, we are a diaspora. We have many different experiences that all deserve to be shared and so I guess what I want to know from you is since you are going to be a panelist for this year's 2022 Black Ink Book Festival which means hopefully you'll be able to participate 
not just as a panelist, but as an attendee with all of the other, you know, panels that we have going on. What is it that you're looking forward to for, you know, I guess I can say this year since we're, you know, a couple of hours out of 2022. What are you looking forward to for um, this year's or 2022's Black Ink Book Festival? You know, everything. I, I plan to not only participate, but also be an attendee because I be, I'm a lifetime learner. And I honestly believe that, you know, even though I've been in the publishing industry 25 years, I've been published 25 years, you know, over 80 something books. Um, there's still a lot I don't know when it comes to this industry. Mm-hmm. And so I am there to to learn I am also, you know, not just to share information, but also receive information. And, and and I think that's important, too, as a writer, that you have to continually stretch yourself. I honestly would like to believe that the my books that I have now are so, so much better written than my first books. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope that with each book, I get better. And, you know, the way to do that is to continue to hone your craft, perfect your craft. You know, when I'm not writing, I'm reading books on the craft of writing. You know, I still buy books. I just bought like six books on the craft of writing. I know about plots. I know about dialogue. I know about setting, but I don't know everything. Right. You see what I'm saying? There's still something I can learn. And so that's what I do. I am a lifetime learner. So I'm so excited about this conference. I can't wait till we can do like in person so I can come and just sit there and just glean the knowledge. Absolutely. And I know we're coming towards the end of our time. So I do have one more question for you. And that question is, what is a piece of advice you'd give to a beginning author and one you'd give to your fellow fellow veteran authors? I'm probably just what I said, um, Mm -hmm. to always be teachable. Mm. I think that's very important because I've seen situations where, you know, authors, you know, and and not many, and I don't want to generalize. I've just seen maybe one or two who feel like they know it all. Right. And there's nothing more for them to learn and they're not teachable. And I feel like when you are not teachable, you hurt yourself and you hurt your career. Right. So that applies for both, no matter what stage of author you are, just remain teachable. Well, this was a delightful conversation. What a great way to end 2021. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me, Jackie. (laughs) You know I want to put that miss in front of it, but I am Jackie. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I wish you a very happy new year. And I'm so excited that you get to spend the first part of it with us here at Black Inc. of Charleston African American Book Festival. Yes. Well, you know, I love Charleston and, you know, I am always going to support Black Ink and I thank you guys for supporting me and for allowing me this platform. Thank you so, so much. You are most, most welcome. And again, this has been Savannah J. Frierson for Black Ink, a Charleston African-American Book Festival, and we wish you a wonderful 2022 and hope to see you in January. Yes, you will. And same to you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Black Ink Charleston podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Check out our website, blackinkcharleston.org, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Black Ink Charleston and Facebook at Black Ink Book Festival. Send us an email at info at blackinkcharleston.org and let us know how we're doing. Until next time, don't forget to amplify Black voices.